This is Six Feet of Separation. I'm Joel Jackson, holding down the 7th Ward of New Orleans, as always, Uptown, Andrew Levy. What's up, Andrew? How you doing, Joel? Dude, I'm doing okay, man. Um, you know, one of the things that I think we're all dealing with during the lockdown and COVID is sleep issues, you know, like scheduling. But one of the weird, and I think people seem to, when I talk to people and say, how are you doing? Sleep is almost always top of mind. It's like one of the top three things they talk about, you know, besides, you know, kids running around and being out of control in the house and all that stuff. Um, and I noticed recently, I've always been a lucid dreamer and then I'm not going to describe any dreams. Don't you worry, folks. And Andrew, um, it there. no one wants to hear about anyone else's dreams, but in general, I've always been a narrative and lucid dreamer. And what I've noticed recently is I'm really trying hard to get a good night's sleep. Like I'm working at it, you know, putting more, burning more calories, making sure that I'm setting myself up to get a good night's sleep. My dreams have gone from narrative, like stream of consciousness narrative, the way that I normally think even in my day life, to meditative and more more text and visual icon oriented, if that makes sense. It's like where I'm not even in the dream and no one else is in the dream. It's just like words and imagery. And that's been kind of dope. But, I, but I, what so, I'm thinking, so you're am basically I living better? in an episode of The Electric Company. Well, exactly. That's, what it is. that's exactly what it is. But, and it, but it makes me think, good call, that like, am I actually sleeping now? Because even when I was having nightmares during the narrative dreaming thing I've done my whole life, at least I could take like pleasure in knowing that I'm having REM sleep. So I know I'm getting sleep, even if it's an anxiety dream. So I don't, I just, yep. that's the whole lucid dreaming part. But like with this thing, I'm like, am I just meditating? Maybe is this what meditation is like, or am I actually sleeping? I, I want to say I'm sleeping because I feel good today, but it's um, it's a weird one. Just to have that kind of paradigm shift, like over the last three or four nights, when I decided I have to start sleeping better. You, you know, it, it's interesting. I I my sleep has. I th- I think the thing that I'm struggling with is not it. Like I'm sleeping longer than I ever have in my entire life. Okay. Um, and one of the things that I wasn't counting on moving to New Orleans was not having anything to do at night, really. You know, <laughs> right. things are pretty much wound down by 9, 9.30, and sometimes I'm kind of like, well, I could stay up for another half hour and watch another episode of whatever crisis diversion I'm on, or I could just go up and go to bed. That's um, right. And I've been choosing the latter more and more. So, you know, it's interesting, particularly because you tend to text me in, uh, in, in the wee hours. I started to set Correct. my phone on do not disturb when I go to bed. And good, um, good call. and good I wake call. up with all these texts and people who, you know, like must think that I'm angry at them or just not responding. <laughs> I've I've had that syndrome too because I've been having some uh, network issues, um cellular network issues uh oh, where, I see. where I'm staying. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the other thing is, particularly this past week because it's been a slow week for us on the show, we've been um Joel and I have been working on booking and how we're yep. going to lighten the load on Joel and increase the load on me when it comes to, to, to booking because heretofore, Joel has pretty much done it all and I appreciate that very much. Um, sure. But we're, we're, uh, we're looking out for new and interesting guests. And um, so last week, for the first time, we only recorded one episode. And so talking about lack of things to do at night, there you go, right there. <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. Um, so for housekeeping, man, moving on. Uh, yeah, lots of good guests in the, in the pipeline, as you say. Um, but what, what have you got going on in terms of housekeeping? Like, What, you, what have you been noticing? Because it has been a week or the better part of a week since we've recorded. What's been going on in terms of what you're noticing in and around New Orleans and yeah, COVID life? It's, it's not just here. I mean, I think it would be hard to not be aware of the fact that lockdown is starting to end in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've described it here in New Orleans as fraying at the edges. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've definitely gone beyond fraying at the edges. We are now seeing people more openly just be out the traffic is, is, I mean, it's not back up to normal, but, you know, driving up and down Carrollton on an afternoon, there are plenty of cars out and there are people out in the parks and there are people out everywhere. And, and I've seen the boards come off of 
some stores. Uh, I'm thinking there's yep. there's a, a Sally Beauty Supply on my walking route that had the boards up uh, over its windows, and and they've now come come down, which means they're anticipating opening. That's um, right. And I think you know because there's so much confusion um, uh, around. Well, you know, yesterday the governor of Louisiana talked about how the reopening was going to happen, and everybody was like, "Okay, but what about New Orleans?" Because Mayor Cantrell has been saying that uh, we're not necessarily going to move as quickly as that. But then we had some good news yesterday in New Orleans in terms of flattening the curve, having been reasonably successful. And yep. the mayor's office announced that today they were, uh, you know, later, unfortunately, than when we're recording this, that today they were going to come out with some guidelines and some news about when they were going to loosen the grip here. Um, yep. So, and and you can imagine that nationally, with the mixed messages coming out of the White House and and uh, you know, the, the what were you saying, Joel, about the the White House staff? Uh, well, on Friday night, <clears throat> excuse me, just this last Friday night, the uh, White House management uh, office um, sent a memo out to all White House staffers, and this was late Friday night, saying, "Please do not come into work if you don't have to." Uh, we want to maximize, that was their, their word, maximize teleworking and remote working, which I guess were the same thing. But um, it's a White House of redundancy, I guess. Um, so as Trump is saying, everyone get back to work, the White House itself is saying to all their staffers, stay at home. So obviously there's, you know, uh, uh, because they're suddenly seeing <clears throat> COVID close to home. Yep. Uh, and, you know, that even goes internationally. And I, I have a clip that I want to play. Um, so the Prime Minister of, uh, of Great Britain, of the United Kingdom, went on TV on Sunday, I guess it was, and talked about how Britain was loosening the restrictions. And it caused a lot of confusion um, mm. uh, in, in the populace about what exactly it meant. And then Matt Lucas, who was uh, one half of Little Britain, back in the 2000s, uh, put out a video mocking the prime minister. Let's, let's pause for this here. So we are saying, don't go to work, go to work. Don't take public transport, go to work, don't go to work. Stay indoors. If you can work from home, go to work. Don't go to work. <laughs> go outside, don't go outside. And, uh, and then we will or won't uh, do something or other. <laughs> That about sums it up. Doesn't it, though? <clears throat> yeah, there's some uh, mixed messaging going on. That's for sure. Um, I think in every municipality, you know. And then, of course, there's the uh, the thing that's driving me crazy now. And look, we, you, you had touched on the last couple of shows about the, the sort of um, the, the protests, you know, the armed protests in Michigan and whatnot. But you're just hearing this more of a, you know, the 42% of Trump supporters or whatever who are really have all caught onto this refrain is it's my right to not be told what to do. I'm like, and you know, and obviously the hypocrisy and irony there is like, you know, yeah. Well, what, where do about, you start? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, obviously with, uh, women's choice, um, to do what they want with their body is not something they're thinking about right now when they're saying, don't tell me to wear a mask, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just so, it just depresses me now. Oh, wow. I just, I just got into a dark place, Andrew. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you've been in dark places before, Joel. That's true. I'll climb out of it real fast. <laughs> if, if you hadn't spent time in the dark place, you wouldn't need to have the right to choose, would you? That's exactly right. That is so, that is so apt. And, you know, it's, there's an underbelly and an overbelly outside to every two coins. I'm back with that little joke you just made. I'm feeling positive well, again. W- welcome back. Um, you know, what's funny, too, is like, and this is the last bit of housekeeping I have, and it's on a cheery note, is that, um, is that uh, I've always been an emoji hater, Andrew. You, know? you don't you know say. That? You know that about me. Because uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a word man, you know. Um, and, and, um, Emojis are for people who care to send the very least. Uh, I guess that's it. I just, I just like people who can use their words. And maybe that's because, you know, I studied to be a writer, blah, blah, blah. And, but I also also understand that there was a time in civilization where visual icons made the most sense, you know, before there was real language. I get all that. But um, 
but there, there's been recent phases in my life where I would refuse to go on a second date or even a first date with someone if they're hammering me with emojis instead of using their words, you know, and I'm just, I've just always been so judgy about it, but right. I'm turning out, speaking of being able to have like shift your perspective, go from a dark place to a positive place really quickly. I've, I've been coming around to the visual, what I'm calling visual icons now instead of just emojis, you know, and I think because um, I, if people who are using the visual icons in an interesting way that are communicating with me, I've stopped just having a knee-jerk reaction, and I'm appreciating the, uh, the visual communication is what I'm saying. You know, you can, you, can te- you can teach an old dog new tricks late in life, folks, is all I'm saying. I, I hear you. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who has always been a lover of, of little iconography. Mm-hmm. I think it, um, the Olympics turned me on to that. You know, the little, ah. the little pictograms that they had for every event. Going back, yeah. I think it, it started in 1972 in the Munich Olympics. Good call. Um, I've always been a big fan of that, and that got me into uh, graphic design. So emojis just sort of felt natural to me. And you know, sometimes yeah. sometimes you don't want to say it; you want to show it. A, a, a picture being worth a thousand words at all. I have come around completely. I don't I, look. I've like I say all the time on this show. I'm 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 wrong 49.9 percent of the time. And I was wrong on this one for a while. And, um, and I think that might be a good segue to bring on our guest because a certain social media platform just added an emoji recently, um, I believe, if I'm correct. And um, that, was, that was kind of a world changer. Do you want to do the introductions here, Andrew? Sure, sure. Um, let me introduce Francisco Varela. Uh, there. Are you muted? I'm, I'm having trouble getting over there. Uh, no, you you're, you're, yeah, uh, you're there. Hey, Francisco, how are you? Andrew, how are you? I am good. Francisco is uh, uh, a vice president of mobile and connectivity partnerships at Facebook, which is some small tech company that you've never heard of. <laughs> Thanks for hey, coming Fran- on today, man. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show, as you know, so it's, uh, it's an honor to be on. Well, it's good to know that we have at least one. At least one on the West Coast out here in San Francisco. Well, it's not, and it sounds like you forced your lovely wife, uh, Erica, to listen as well. So we have two. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally two children attached to that. Oh, no. <laughs> it is an explicit show. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have been saying gosh and effing more. Just because, you know, just for whatever reason during oh, COVID boy, time. I'm fuck like, that. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Okay, understood. <laughs> I think most of my friends are accustomed to me using inappropriate language in front of their children by now. Well, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> At least you close the door when you pee. So that, that's that. and and thank God for that. Um, so uh, well, and yeah, at pee and more. Um, anyway, Francisco, uh, speaking of your family, how are you guys doing out there? We're getting by, just like everyone else. We're, we're, I think we're lucky, luckier than most. Um, uh, one is just general optimism that we have for, for what we're going through and just a general attitude on life. Um, I think I've got a, a great partner to help me through this. You mentioned Erica, and she's been fantastic um, as, we work, as we work through this. Right, city shut down. Uh, we go out for the occasional walk in, in, in the evening, and that's really helped quite a bit. But you see how much suffering there is out there in the world right now, and, and it makes us just feel lucky for what you have, um, yeah. in this case in particular. And, and what's San Francisco like right now? Amazingly quiet. Um, in the intro, you talked about the traffic picking up. We noticed yeah. that over the weekend as well. Just a lot more cars out there. I think people are getting antsy. But there's a fundamental belief here in the city on the need to stop the spread. Um, yeah. I think San Francisco accepted the lockdown much more easily than, than other parts of America. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense to me. I mean, you, you guys, well, there's a higher level of education probably across the board and also a progressive city, I assume, politically. That may yeah, have something to do with it. I'd say that attitude of progressive, that progressive attitude of the city probably has something to do with it. You know, the masks came in pretty easily. We haven't seen a lot of pushback from the population. People keep their distances. 
you know, everything's marked on the floors to where you can stand, can't stand, or can stand and can't stand. Um, but generally people seem to be pretty chill about this out, out here. Certainly the, there's an angst, people don't want to get sick. We're, we're watching those, those infection rates. But I've been really proud of how well the city has come together during this time. Nice. Cool, man. And uh, that said, though, I we, we had a little chat pre, pre-pod, and I know, you know I, it, for our listeners, I've known Francisco for almost 20 years. Um, we're good friends, and I know that both for work and pleasure, this is a man who is a road warrior, right? On a, what were you saying, 400,000 miles last year in the air? Something like that, right? About 400,000 last year. So are you going nuts or what? Well, you you can't see me right now, but I am stuck in my attic uh, where I've been working for the last uh, almost eight weeks now. And and more, it's about it's about seeing the teams out there, seeing the people out there. And and for me, my work work is primarily outside the United States, where we focus on connecting people and bringing bringing better connection to people uh, in emerging markets, making sure people can you know connect higher speeds, making sure that they have a reliable internet connection, that they can afford a device. All of that work um, is what I focus on, and I, and I think I'm incredibly uh, lucky to do so. Um, but that means doing everything remotely now, which is certainly a little less impactful than I, uh, than I had anticipated. But you know, when the time comes, we'll get back out there, and right now we'll, we'll just take the hit for a while. All right. Well, fair enough. But um, So let's, let's dig in a little bit deeper about what you do. Um, so you, I mean, obviously right now during, during this crisis, remote connectivity is not just important for work, right? It's how we engage with one another. It's how we talk to one another. It's how we express love. In, in one case, I was talking to somebody else this morning. It's how we grieve, right? It, the, the internet is the essential tool that we need. And I know that um, Facebook has long been involved in, in trying to, to, to connect the world. Um, so maybe talk about exactly you know, ha- what you do and, and how that plays into that whole equation. Yeah, I mean, part of our core mission, is, as you mentioned, is connecting the world. But when you think about it, people have meant, oh, that just means activity on the different platforms, whether that be Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, or Messenger. Um, my job takes that a little more literally. We actually work with the connectivity ecosystem, that's operators, people who make phones, people who uh, make satellites, to actually get people connected. And if you take it back to pre-COVID, um, we focused pretty much on three core areas. People who couldn't afford internet access, people who didn't know why they needed internet access, and plenty of those people existed. And then finally, people who were in areas where they couldn't even get, get a signal, right? couldn't get right. connected. In 2018, we passed a major milestone. Half of the world could get on, on a pretty secure internet connection. Wow. That still means that three and a half billion people or so don't have a reliable internet. Today. Today. So think about that mentality in the lockdown. You're sitting in your house. I mean, we're now on a, on a call and I can hear you both and we can probably chat forever. But imagine if Except that was Joel. Available. Joel's one of these people who suffers for connectivity. Yeah, I need help. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Joel, you're not alone. Maybe right? if you start Half working in the United States, you can, you can help Joel out. <laughs> well, it does imply about 18 million people in the United States don't have a consistent connection. Yeah. These are significant numbers. It's 18 it's, million it, it, in one. Well, it's called Cox in the seventh <laughs> ward. Sorry. But con- continue, Francisco. <laughs> My, mine is a macro issue, a micro issue. Yours is you're solving macro problems. Hey, no, but it's, it's always personal. Right? right for all of these stories of not lack of connection, it's not boy, but so so you know this grand population can't get this connectivity, and right. it, it's all very personal. It's how you use it. Um, that's why in the work that we do, we're not saying hey, you have to be a user of this platform or this platform, or that platform. We're just trying to bring that connectivity to people so they can actually get in touch with others, whether that be the news, whether that be friends, whether that be gaming, however they want to use it. But we're really focused on getting that reliable connection to people and making sure they can stay in touch. How's that working during COVID? Are you seeing like, um, in terms of metrics, 
um, in, ter- in terms of other parts of the world? Are you seeing a big uptick in like Facebook Messenger um, and that kind of thing in terms of people using it more and more in the last eight weeks? I assume so. Yeah, across all messaging platforms, right? All social media platforms, we see a huge spike. Uh, most folks like us are up at least 50% on usage. Mm-hmm. Um, and video is huge uh, mm-hmm. for, for people right now because having that, that, that visual interaction is something that people are missing. Um, yeah. And we're trying to help fill the gap with our platforms. There's plenty of others out there as well. Um, the, big, the big thing, Joel, that we're seeing is, is the, the impact on the networks themselves. Okay. So early on in those first two weeks, we, along with a bunch of other platforms, had to rally together along with uh, people who are providing that connectivity, like the Coxes of the world and companies yeah. like Vodafone or Telefonica and other parts of the world to make sure that the impact wasn't too great and the network could be sustained. Um, you know, if you're sitting in uh, Peru lockdown, I'll give Peru as, an, as a great example here. Peru lockdown early on in the crisis and, and limited everyone to their homes. Well, this is a market where, unlike the United States, the vast majority of people pay for their mobile phone pay for the connectivity as they go. So let's say you Mm -hmm. go to the local store, you top up by a particular amount, you then have an X amount of data or X amount of minutes to use every month. And that's fairly common in emerging markets, right? It's quite common in emerging markets. What happens if you can't leave your home? Right. How are you You going to- You can't refill. You can't do the refill. Right. Exactly. How are you going to top up? How are you going to keep your connection going? And some of them are pretty easy. Well, you keep people at a particular level, but what if you can't afford it any longer because you've lost your job? Yep. Um, I'm really proud of some of the efforts that we've launched recently. Um, just last week, we worked with the four operators in Peru uh, on a product called Discover. And this is a, a, an app you can download out of the Play Store. It's also a website. But all four carriers in Peru agreed to give their pe- the people, everyone in the country, no matter what your demographic, a, an amount of data every day that people could use in this app to access information. And it's not just, you know, it, it's not just news. It's any website in the world. It's the text-only version of those websites. But if you wanted to go to the New York Times, if you wanted to go to the Atlantic, if you wanted to go to your local newspaper, if you wanted to go, whatever it was, the four operators came together and said, we, we need to take a step, uh, uh, take this a step further for the people of Peru. And we're hoping to roll this out to other countries soon. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the, that level of cooperation is, is pretty amazing. <clears throat> so you're working with not just, you're working with other tech companies, other social media platform, it sounds like, plus internet service providers around the world, just making sure you're coordinated enough to keep everything going. Is that what it, in a nutshell? That's a good part of it. So there's the keeping everything, keeping all the networks up and live, right? Mm-hmm. And then you still have to solve the problem for how do people stay then connected to that network. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. That can be an issue of affordability. That can be an issue of the quality of the network there. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's a multifaceted problem. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to use the term multifaceted. It sounds so pretty, I'll to say there's lots of pieces to this problem. Well, we can talk about synergy and ex, you know, exit ramping, <laughs> off ramping, up ramping. We can use all the corporate lingo. I don't care. It's all we, good we here. We have a very erudite audience. I think they'll, I think they'll understand. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all good. No, but I appreciate that because I, I have been writing about that, that, that corporate language thing lately. And, the, and it, it's always changing. I'm curious, Francisco, and this is my rogue question, I guess, of the day. And I had not planned this, of course. But like... This exit ramp and this off ramp and exit ramp thing is like feels new to me in corporate language culture. I mean, do, are you, I'm sure as long as both you guys, Andrew and Francisco, have been in in this in the technology world, you've just seen this language thing evolve. And it's like, where did that phrase come from all of a sudden? Right? I mean, have you, were you guys like kind of tracking that kind of sort of changing in, in phraseology? I'm not lost on this one. The exit ramp and yeah, people are starting to use like, well, our exit ramp strategy is to. It's I think it's pretty new. I'm hearing it like maybe it's in the NGO world, which is the people that I know. You know, I don't know, but anyway, look, listeners, folks, I promise you, in six months from now, you will hear people talking about uh, off ramping, exit ramping, ramping up, 
like it's a thing. It's like suddenly it's it's suddenly a thing. You heard oh, it here first. We're, we're going to take your word for that, Angel. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm I'm into words and language, and I've just I've, I notice like when these when these new words come on. I mean, I was out in front of Synergy way before anyone else, like 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm at a loss, Joel, but I'll just call you the the the, the oracle of corporate speech. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Now we can move on. <laughs> so. With, with all the stuff that you're doing and seeing, um, how, how do you measure success? Um, a couple of different ways. I think in, in this time, we absolutely have to measure success by our ability to, one, get the right information to people, you know, the right information. Two, um, help, help deal with, with misinformation across mm-hmm. our platforms. And finally, what's a more practical um, help we can give out there to keep people connected. I mentioned that the example of discover. Um, this could go so far as, you know, looking at different ways that people can, you know, upgrade their phones in different parts of the world. Lots of, you know, hundreds of millions of people are still on those old, you know, brick, little brick phones where they can only get a text. Well, that's not very good for surfing the internet, even if it has some sort of weird capability to where you get a text back if you ask a question or something like this. Um, this has come down to a very practical time in terms of our, in terms of our goals. Um, I personally will take a tremendous pride in what our team is doing because we're, we're, we're really launching programs across the world to deal with every one of those challenges and working, as Joel said, with that entire ecosystem to make sure that people can stay connected and that if you don't have a connection, we're bringing you to it. Right on. So, um, you know, people's ways of interaction are changing. At, you know, it's it's evolving every day, right? As as the the situation on the ground changes, as people learn and interface with new and interesting technology, as as a lot of different things happen. And I'm curious, what what do you think is going to what what changes or what trends that you've seen during the crisis? Do you think you're going to stick? beyond that? It's a great question. And, and it's a question we're all answer, asking ourselves, right? <laughs> That's the prop- business you're in. Yeah. It, it's, listen, everybody has their theories. It's all, I feel like it's the same theories when we're all going to, we're all going to be able to travel freely or when we're all going to be able to interact freely. Um, lots of theories around it. I think everybody has one piece of this puzzle. Um, but for uh, when, when I look at the landscape, it's an acceptance of the way the technology will play a role in our connectivity. Joel, in the, in the intro, you mentioned how emoto, you know, emojis were never your thing. Right? Right. This was something that I think you, you were very judgmental against. Correct. Six Degrees the, of Judgment featuring Joel Jackson. And next episode up in a week, I believe. <laughs> the, the other part of this has been, I, I think, a questioning of whether social media and whether these communication platforms were good for the world or not. I think we've answered that question. I think think we've answered the question that this is one I'm not hearing anymore. I think that'll be the lasting, the the lasting message out of one of the lasting messages out of COVID, which is these played an incredibly helpful role for people. That's right. And it could be everything from the dissemination of good information of information that we needed to just staying in touch. Yep. Um, I think that we, we, we had the first phase of this. Many of us at one point or another sat on a video call with a friend and had, you know, a, a, a soda pop together. Sure. Exactly. Thinking, yes. Soda you pop. all know. Yeah. Yep. I want my children to listen to this episode. So I'm where we had a soda pop together. <laughs> okay. I, I won't mention heroin. Oh boy. Come on, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. It was a different friend. <laughs> but as we... It, but we've had those moments and that moment will now right. evolve, right? We, we've also learned the limitations of that moment. So mm. what's, what's the next example we give and how will both the tools that we use and yeah. the, and you know, the sense of, of emotional fulfillment evolve through these platforms. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's a long-term vision. Um, 
uh, sorry, the long-term message we'll get out of this. I also think that all of these platforms, including us, will evolve much more quickly as a consequence. Yeah, I feel like there's, we talk a lot on the show about paradigm shifts coming out of COVID. And it sounds like it's, it's not just like fast evolution. It's like a shift. And, and there's some ways we're just, we're never going to come back from, right? And I think what you just said, that people are going to, um, that people are going to embrace social media to stay connected in ways that they didn't before. It does feel like that will continue. But like you said, we're just like reading tea leaves at this point. But um, can you guys still hear me? I'm not hearing you guys. Okay, good. Uh, I just saw a chat message come up and was concerned. Um, The podcasting over Zoom is something we might just continue to do once we perfect it, even when we can't be in the same room. Yeah, I mean, I don't Um, really like you enough to be in the same room with you. Well, exactly. Well, who needs to cross canal? Me or you, neither one of us. But yeah, but to your overarching point, Francisco, just to you know, um, put a pin on that and, and be redundant, is that uh, the one thing that we do know is this is valuable. It's just it has intrinsic social media platforms have intrinsic value, and we would be to use um, <clears throat> a cleaner version of, of Andrew's language, we'd be effed with with without it <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so we appreciate all that work you're doing francisco i can't tell you how happy i am to be a source of cleaning this show up (laughs) (laughs) hey um, i'll I'll go for i want to follow up with another point just on top of that not only the platforms but also the people providing that connectivity it takes an amazing amount of work to stand up a network to stand to dig to the ground and put fiber in the ground um that's another another industry that i don't think gets the credit it's due in all of this, which is the yeah. guys who, you know, the Verizons, the Telefonica, Vodafones, uh, America movies of the, the world. The people who, to be honest, we all love to hate, but yeah. you know, without them, we would be pretty screwed. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a very, very fair point. I don't, I've never hated them, Andrew. I, I like those dudes that come into my house and they like put the uh, plastic things on their boots and we always talk about sports and stuff, like while they're doing the installation. Well, no like, wonder had, you like them. You get the ones who put the plastic things on their boots. I've had so many good interactions over the years in different markets with uh, cable dudes and, uh, and, and mostly dudes. And um, I've just had, you know, talk. Well, in New Orleans, you know, you're talking about the Saints. But when I was in D.C., whole, it's just been the same everywhere I've gone. I've always had really enjoyable interactions with those folks. But let's just say that my my experiences like have been more mixed. But like I'm I mean, giving it in no, my but, phone. But, but let's be honest. We're, I mean, you know, you're you're complaining about the service, and I get that. But right. know, for as as much as I don't like dealing with the customer service representatives, or you know, sometimes the people who come to my door, or the people who don't show up when they're supposed to, and all that. At the end of the day, the service is pretty good and and it needs to be there um sure and and we, we are definitely very lucky to to have the level of service that we have here as opposed to what people get in other parts of the world so uh, yeah make, make no mistake i i mean they're they're easy targets and, and I, I fire in that direction often but well so so francisco if someone would, like in peru were listening right now and i were to go into a diatribe about complaining about the four-hour window of a technician coming over, which is the common refrain for us first worlders, you know, they would be like, F you, dude. I'll take a four hour window to get high speed internet. Bring it on, you know? Possibly. I'll, I'll give you a story of an anecdote that, that happened to us a couple of years ago in South America. A team had gone down there and went, you know, flew down, went into the jungle, got on a boat. I mean, they are hours and hours and hours from somewhere and they walk into a town and there's a group of kids and they're just doing a survey. How many of you have heard of this service? How many of you have used this service? All of these kids had used the services. That'd be Facebook or Instagram, whatever it might be, the internet, you know, we've Googled before. Yes, 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 yes. But they don't have connectivity in their town. Right. How do you do this? They said, oh, well, we wait until our parents go into the market town about four hours away and we get connected there. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. people have a, a, a desire to, to know, to be, to, to be informed, to be entertained. And 
this wonderful ecosystem that we've started to build up and that I'm ridiculously passionate about. The one thing we know is if you connect people to the information, they change the world. It changes their lives. Totally. We can debate you know, the value of different type of content, but we can't debate that it fundamentally helps people. Con- con- concur. And, and you, that's a good segue to something you had mentioned, touched on before, Francisco, um, which is um, the challenge of, of uh, disinformation. And can you speak a little bit more about that in terms of um, the obligations you guys feel to make sure that, that particularly during COVID times, that um, disinformation isn't running amok, as it were? Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for asking that question, Joel. I think you've seen us be quite active on the platform, um, across our platforms, actually, on bringing down this information, both in terms of you know, what advertisements you see and acting mm-hmm. against those and banning certain types of ads, and also making sure that misinformation isn't spread. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, promoting information that we know is right. Um, Got it. You know, we're, we work with the World Health Organization. We gave them as many ad spots on our platforms as they would like to have. Wow. To make sure that they can get the right information up there. For free. Um, when you, when you have, for free. Amazing. When you, when you search on Facebook, you, you'll get you know, reminders of, uh, uh, or sorry, would say uh, links to great sources of information. Well, we've put up our, what we call our COVID hub translated in many different languages across the world so people have a reliable source of info. No, I've seen that that's at the top of my feed. That's a, that's a wonderful service. I hope, and I hope you used it. I, I, I have. Well, I mean, you know, in the course of operating this podcast, we, we are seen by a very, very small but plugged-in subset of people as resources on COVID-19 ourselves. So, yes, absolutely. And and perhaps uh, we can include with the uh, with the uh, post of this podcast a way to direct people to that information. Yeah, we'll do that. I uh, will get you that link. Um, I do have an official curveball rogue question of the week. That's <laughs> not improv, and you can feel free to because you know we got to keep it light around here. Um, and I know we've got some other things to talk about um, before we get into crisis diversions. But um, so, Francisco, what do you say to someone like uh, me who like has done speaking of advertising? And I know that you got everything. I'm so in awe of what you guys are doing. And so I don't want to come off as like snarky or whatever. Um, but I over the last few years, I'll do tests with like friends where we'll text back and forth with one another, like random words, and then see if ads for those words come up in our Facebook feeds, you know? Like, is that like, I mean, that's my random, and like, and and then even, because every, look, to have you on the show and not to talk about, you know, obviously you guys caught a lot of shit, um, and I don't know whether it was warranted or not. I honestly don't have an opinion on that. Um, coming out of the the election, uh, the the last general. Um, And we're regarding disinformation. And then there's also like people have privacy concerns. Um, And so I would do like, I would even like pocket my phone and stand close to somebody and say some random stuff that we never talk about and see if something pops up in our Facebook feed based on like, and I, and I'm not a paranoid guy. You, you can see that Joel's been spending a lot of time standing next to five G towers. It was just a fun, it was just a fun time. It was just a fun, like Jeremy Smith and I, in fact, were like talking about some rant. Oh, he was asking me about like this just happened recently. He was asking me about um, uh, a platform for uh, project management, and I was like, you know what? I've heard great things about Mondays.com. Now I have not thought about Mondays.com or Googled it in a long time. And then mondays.com showed up in my advertising like a couple days later. Mm. And you know what I've always thought just to, just to like put a little context on it ever since the advent of, I knew that the internet was looking what I was searching, not Facebook, just the internet in general. And then on ESPN, whatever I Googled and then it came up on it. I'm like, fine, but just don't give me like, just cause I Googled for a scarf for my mom. I don't want to see six months worth of scarf advertising. You know what I mean? And I always thought 
I would love for advertisers to target me as long as it was more sophisticated. Do you know what I mean? So those are, it's kind of a two-parter there because I'm willing to like, I'm not one of those people that think that people shouldn't be listening to my conversations because I, whatever, I don't care. Um, but if, if I'm going to be targeted to, I just want it to be super sophisticated. And that's kind of why I was doing those tests to just to see how is, is there a question in there, buddy? No, just a statement. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 boy, I'll, I will let you have the rant. Um, one I think I will, <laughs> don't, so let me just be very clear. We're not listening to your conversation. To, I know to, you're not. To, I, I, think I mean, that Jesus, I tuned out about five minutes ago. <laughs> uh, oh, that's too much. I mean, you talked about the last election and where we've been since then, since 2016. And as an industry, I mean, the, the, the increased strength on privacy protections it has been tremendous. And, and I think it's yeah. been, po- it's a positive thing for users. Um, and it, when you go to, sorry, go ahead. When you go to personalization of ads, um, I concur with you. I, I, I want ads that are personalized to me. I don't want some random, uh, some random ad. ad. Um, but I, you know, I just want to get that out there and official. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly. listening to your conversation, Joel. I know you. I know you're not. I do. I. I have but, been working. But are you really? No, I know they're not. Here's here's the, here's the thing, Francesca. That I'll, I'll just I'll say that like what I've learned about life in my aging years is that coincidences aren't coincidences. Like so, if I have a, it's just we only notice maybe one tenth of one percent of the stuff that we see every day, and so suddenly we see something like oh. I was just having this conversation and then I saw this ad. So, so I must connect those two things, but we, we, we don't, I, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe because like, I'm going to stop this rant right now because it's just what we're paying attention to. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on mondays.com six months ago. So of course I still get emails from them. It was just, you know, the fact that it was, and so what, I, what I'm saying is I think people put those things together and draw conclusions when it's just really what they're paying attention to, you know, so I can have a conversation with my mom about like, you know, Jasmine or something like that. And then walk out my door and see a lot of Jasmine. Well, no, it's just cause I'm talking about the shit that I care about, you know? So it's not like a coincidence. It's not like spirituality. It's just the shit that's front of mind and that we pay attention to. There's like a thousand other things I don't notice cause that has no meaning to me, you know? So I don't think you're listening to us. This this reminds me, listeners. Please give generously. Um, we're we're getting behind a charity that is looking to remove lead paint from dwellings in New Orleans. So um, <laughs> please, we'll get you the GoFundMe link. That I mean, no, Joel's, I, Joel's just the poster child, but he's not the only one. Lead paint is. Hey, if lead paint led to coincidental theory. Um, which I'm working on presently, then, you know, go lead paint. Help us on the way, Joel. Hey, we have to have fun with it, you know? Well, um, Joel, does that make it a good time to segue into diversions? I think it does. (laughs) God, I think we're all hoping to. Let's Um, do it. So, so Francisco, as a listener, you know all about crisis diversions. It's it's our it's our core segment. What do you got for us? I've got one I haven't heard on the show before. I can't believe it. I, I, I'm I'm stunned that no one has come up with this crisis diversion yet, or doesn't have the same problem that I do. And I'll just call it a problem because it's taking probably too much time than it ever should. And in my case, it's looking at used car listings. So. <laughs> About six months ago, we reduced to one car to become a one-car family for lots of reasons. Expense, space, the planet, all of it. It's the first time in my life since I've been 16 that I don't own a car. This has been a little bit of a crisis for me. So once (laughs) we locked down, I thought, I'm going to get a car. But the logical side of my brain says, you don't need a car. You're driving even less than you were before. The illogical, you know, need car, must drive side of my brain is saying, I've got to go out there and buy a car. So I spend 
I will reasonably estimate about six hours a week right now looking at different used car listings, bothering my family on what do you think about this car? Is this a neat <laughs> car? Do you like how this looks? What do you think? Six weeks at, you've been at this. I, I, I've been spending a good amount of time. So if anyone, if you or anyone on the show has a question on whether a particular used car is a good deal, I, I could be a good resource for you. Man, Are I, you I, I, I am that? somebody who has actually bought a used car during this crisis. So um, my lovely, soon-to-be former wife, uh, her lease was up in January, and we, we put it on pause uh, for a little while. But ultimately, particularly because she, she lives in an inconvenient location, you know, she needed a car. And we spent roughly the first three weeks of, lockout, uh, of lockdown working together on, on how to, to buy a car. And if, if you think research is fun, wait until you try test driving during the COVID crisis. Um, so I feel you, man. So, so what are your leading candidates? Uh, I am looking at possibly a 1980s BMW coupe, three series coupe. I, I like the way they look. They have uh, pretty good reliability ratings. Um, I might even stretch back to a 1970s Mercedes coupe. What, wow, I love those. It's one of my favorite cars. What, what, I I really, just, what I really love is those like vomit yellow or tan Mercedes convertibles from the early 80s, the, you know, yes. the diesel ones. Dude, yeah. you got to get one of those. That's what you really want. Trust me. I think you're barking up the, the right tree for sure, though. God, I just saw this like late 70s early 80s just the other day around the corner um mercedes like cherry red oh my god it's just the most beautiful car you know it just yeah. it just like i i'm not even a car person i just i stopped and just admired and, you, and you can't believe the number of rabbit holes available for any brand of car or any type of car that's over five years old yeah, I, I can imagine. No doubt. Are but you, I mean, I got to say, you know, having known you for this long, this is a little out of character for you. It, it's it's something, the vintage it's something different, right? I've always gone new. I, I'm, I'm more appreciating the old now. Yeah, I, I love it. I think, that's a co I think that's kind of a COVID phenomenon. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing lots of people, and when I say hearing, a lot of us through social media, including Facebook, Seeing people, including myself, you know, digging up the photos, talking about old literature, posting photos of their old cars, you know, there's a real, like, there's something about being locked down that just makes you reflect about, you know, um, times, times past. You Time know? to dust the check off off your shelf. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, that's fun. Are you using car apps to do this research or? I am. I'm using websites, yeah. everything doing, from yeah. uh, Auto Trader, Car Gurus, and then you get, and then every car, as I mentioned, every car out there has some sort of enthusiast group where you can deep dive and oh, find out. Oh, that's know, where the time goes in. This one has a water pump issue. You, this one has this issue. Just watch out. Make sure this, and it's it's a phenomenal. I, I've yet to comment or get involved, but it is a phenomenal community. Yeah, I'm sure it's like how expensive it is to replace the parts, or the parts readily available, all those things. Oh exactly. my goodness. That's, I can see, I can see that, that, that time suck there. Well, that's uh, good. And, I, and I'm just, I was just amazed that I'm not, that I was the first one to call this out on your show. <laughs> well, good. You, you, you broke our uh, show uh, virginity on the used car search. So that's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, but I'm the dirty one. Um, anyway, <laughs> What do you got, Joel? Come on. Um, well, you know, I always I usually tie in my diversion into our guests. Um, I've been doing more Facebook posting since um, the lockdown than I ever did before. And a lot of it relates to this kind of nostalgia that I was just talking about, you know, digging up old photos. At first, for the first two or three weeks, I just couldn't get off the political stuff, you know, and the here's what's happening in Italy, it's going to happen, you know, like, blah, people aren't paying attention, why, blah. And then I just decided to do different types of posts, like digging up old photos, making recommendations for movies, you know, what I call love, love in the time of Corona, recommended watches. And that's been a good diversion. And then 
I mean, this is like super narcissistic, but it's like, I'll post something at night in the morning, see, Hey, did anyone like it? You know, like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that does that. No, you're so the I'm, only one. I have no shame in just being completely honest about that. And you're like, Oh, neat. Um, and then you see, and then, then I've reconnected Francisco with old high school and college and friends that I haven't seen for 15, 16, 17, 30 years, whatever it is, because someone will see one of those posts and then they'll, they'll comment on it. And then suddenly we're direct messaging and then suddenly we're catching up. Yeah. So, and then the best thing the other night was one of the aforementioned college buddies who I had not kept up with it all. And, um, shout out to Jonas Davidas did this thing like this NBA post related to like, who's your favorite ten, top 10 players of all time to watch, not who you think was, were the best. And what was really magical about that post was that my current friends, my friends from 15 years ago, my friends from 30 years ago, all chimed in all these cats that don't know each other at all. So like Maddie G from the jazz fest and Jonas who started the whole thing. And my childhood best friend, Steve Mexen, all these people are chiming in. And in this way, I'm like, these guys don't even know each other. And they're having like debates about like whether or not, you know, my pick for Vernon Maxwell should have been on the list or whatever, you know. And so that's been a really fun crisis diversion. And I'll say that like as related, the uh, because, you know, the reason that whole basketball thing came up is because everyone's watching the um, – the MJ documentary, The Last Dance on ESPN. And obviously, everyone knows, most people know about that, but boy, is it good. And, um, and, it, it, and, and so the, the second little part of that time suck or crisis diversion is then being able to like, see all this stuff on Facebook and all these people that people, like obscure players that people are bringing up, toggling over to YouTube doing deep dives into those particular players and then posting those videos on the Facebook. It's just, it's really fun having those platforms and that technology to a ha have fun conversations and connect with old friends. So that's, that's my crisis diversion for the week. Right on. One thing I've been meaning to ask you, Joel is in, in your Facebook posts, you refer to it as Hey 19, and yeah. you never do that here. So is, is it just like you're a big Steely Dan fan or, or where does that come from? And, and why is it reserved specifically for Facebook? Well, the Hey 19 Silver Linings of the Week. Yeah, but why Hey 19? Oh, because of Steely Dan and yeah. because of COVID-19. And I copped it from Jeremy Smith and I asked him for permission. I was like, hey, can I cop this? Because he texted me. He said something about Hey 19 and referring to COVID. And I was like, oh, I want to cop that. Is that okay? And uh, so... I don't think I've done too much silver linings on the podcast. I think when I, if I do a silver lining, I think I, I think probably on the show, I'd try to say, Hey, 19, but it just doesn't come up much. The crisis diversions and silver linings of the week are two different things for me. They, they certainly are. There's no question yeah. about it. And Absolutely. you do bring up silver linings sometimes. I do. Know, I'll, actually I'll, with, with, with reasonable regularity, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll remember to include the Hey, 19 on, on the show as well. I need to be consistent with my own personal branding. It's the lead paint, dude. dude yeah, it's hard to dude, dude, You got it. You got it. It's, it, someone wise once said, it's delicious, but it's deadly. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, like, like, like Trump said in his press conference yesterday, you know, in all time, everything dies. He was trying to like reassure the American people that like, that's what happens. Time makes things die, referring to the virus. Yep. He's like, don't worry about it. Everything dies. I'm like, great. Apparently, <laughs> except him. That's very reassuring. What do, what do you got, Andrew, for your crisis diversion? So uh, I, now that I'm a podcaster, I, I thought it would be time to call out a podcast that yeah. um, I'm listening to and have come to enjoy. Uh, so two of the stars of the TV series Community, Joel McHale and Ken Jeong, who mm. you may also know from The Masked Singer and from other places, have started a podcast called The Darkest Timeline that is, they talk a lot about their time on Community and how much they loved it. And for those of you who are Community fans, The Darkest Timeline uh, is a reference to a Community episode as well. But uh, so I've been listening to that lately and, you know, it's just kind Good. of fun. And 
Actually, a Community has recently been brought onto Netflix in its entirety, all six seasons, including the, uh, the questionable fourth season that Dan Harmon wasn't involved in. Oh, yeah. So uh, between the two of those things, that's, that's what I'm doing to divert myself this week. Let me ask you real quick, the Darkest Timeline podcast, what is the subject matter? They, they, they literally talk about Community. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Got it. But Got it's it. two Got of the stars it. of Community, and they bring on other people from Community. And actually, the most recent episode, which uh, just came out, I think, a couple of days ago, was right after, because the, the stars of Community did a table read for charity. It's nice. going to come out uh, on the 18th of May. I'm not entirely sure where that's going to come out, but I'm looking forward to that. So they hey, did this, this big yeah. Zoom call with the cast right after the table read. And, you know, it's just them getting self-referential and being a little bit silly. And you, you get to see the sillier side of Alison Brie and Donald Glover. And, uh, you know, if you well, like that, those people, give it a yeah. shot. Well, that was, Community was the very, what I think was the very first super meta show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the only meta show on network television ever. Well, I mean, I mean they, you could go all, all the way back to St. Elsewhere, but yeah, it was the first sure. one that was so openly self-referential and meta about the industry and about sitcom tropes and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. I'm going to check that out. That's awesome. Sweet. Cool. Well, I, I actually have one last question that I want to ask Francisco before he goes. Um, and this, you know, maybe this is something that will turn into a new segment, maybe not at the end, but since you have such a wanderlust, I want to ask you, what is number one on your travel agenda after the lockdown? Oh boy, this is going to be defined largely by where I think we'll be able to travel. Um, mm. it may be something, honestly, it may be something as simple as another city in the United States, candidly. Uh, but if I had my druthers, if I could go anywhere, get it's going to be, I, I'm going to put it out there, I'm going to say India. India. Yeah. I'll be getting back to New Delhi. Uh, it's a wonderful 16-hour flight. And if you've ever enjoyed a 16-hour flight, time to, to think, time to get to, to focus on yourself. And, and, and it, it's a fantastic flight to take. I, I've never been on a 16-hour flight. I maxed out at 14 and a half. Um, and that was a little bit long for my taste. But... I'll take your word for it. I got to say, yeah. Or I might ask the pilots, just take a loop around. Francisco, Francisco, I love that attitude, man. I was watching uh, Jerry Seinfeld's new, um, I'll keep this quick, but Jerry Seinfeld's new stand-up special on Netflix. And it's funny. But the whole premise of his first 20 minutes was how we don't, human beings don't feel comfortable where we are ever, you know, and I'll leave it at that. It's funny material, but I objected, to, I objected to the premise because I love getting on a plane and not have anything else to do and to take that time to experience something else. Because he used air travel as an example, right? He used like, we don't want to be in the house. We want to be somewhere else. When we get somewhere else, we want to be home. And you can imagine Jerry saying that shit. We want to fly somewhere, but then we're like, when's the plane going to land? When's it going to take off? When's it going to land? When's it going to exit? And I'm one of those cats that like, even when the plane has landed, I'm never going to be the person that stands up until it's time to walk out. You know, I'm not going to be that person that like is rushing to get off the plane or rushing or too stressed about how long the flight is. It's just about being present. And the fact that you just said that, like enjoying 16 hours in the air, I can so relate to that, man. Cause it's just, it's just a different part of life and it's a different opportunity to, to be present and not have, whatever else is going on in your life See, but, happening. But I understand that with Francisco because he's not a tall drink of water with his knees in his throat and economy, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is a little nicer up front. <laughs> That's for it's, sure. It's a little bit nicer. It's a little bit nicer. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, sorry, one more thing, because just going back to that, that Zoom call from the... The, the Darkest Timeline podcast, at the end of it, Jim Rash, who played the dean on, on uh, Community and who uh, is a legendary member of the, the Groundlings, you know, the yep. comedy troupe in L.A., the sketch comedy troupe in L.A., <laughs> does like this 10-minute bit making fun of stand-up comedians like Jerry Seinfeld. And it, it is 
truly, truly hilarious. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, stay to the very end of that episode, folks. Cool. All right. Well, Francisco, I really want to thank you for coming on and enduring the the rants and and the lead paint induced <laughs> and five G tower induced uh, phenomena that are all going on here. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. It was an absolute honor, and I can't wait to listen to many more episodes from you guys. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, man. Awesome. So uh, until next time, on behalf of my. Mentally addled co-host Joel Jackson. I'm Andrew Levy for Six Feet of Separation. Y'all stay safe and keep your distance.